Welcome to Hunters and Unicorns, the Sales Leaders Playbook. Today, we welcome Tom Schmidt, formerly CRO at AppDynamics, one of the highest performing sales organizations on the planet. He has recently taken a new CRO position at Audit Board. Discover Tom's unique methods of empowering teams and how his selfless mindset has helped his trajectory to the top of the pile. This is his playbook. CXOs, we investigate one of the greatest success stories in the history of software sales. 33 CXOs learnt the playbook from one man, John McMahon, a legacy which stretches back to the late 90s at a company called PTC. They were later reunited at Blade Logic, which was acquired by BMC. What happened next was truly remarkable. These CXOs went on to become the most prolific sales leaders in the software industry. They've raised over 22 billion in VC funding. They contribute to 4% of software turnover globally, 26 unicorns, eight decacorns, and the companies they drive have a combined valuation of 230 billion. At Hunters and Unicorn, we're revealing their playbook. Welcome to Hunters and Unicorns. I'm Simon Kutis and I'm joined by my co-host, Ollie Kune. Hello, everyone. And it's an absolute honor to be joined today by Tom Schmidt. Tom, welcome to the show. Good morning, Simon. Good morning, Ollie. It's great to be here. Uh, thanks for coming on the show, Tom. In the way of an introduction, Tom, formerly the CRO at The Great Success Story, which is at Dynamics, currently the CRO at audit board first of all tom a big congratulations it's obviously a, a recent move tell us a little bit about your role and the mission yeah well, i think uh simon number one i want to make sure that i don't screw it up that's probably role number <laughs> number one um you know I, I i i took a look at a bunch of different companies and, and audit board We've been, uh, you know, one of the fastest growing companies the last two years, really that not that many people know about kind of doing it in a, in a unique way. And, um, you know, my, my job now is to come in and, and keep doing what we're doing great and do even more of it, you know, at a higher velocity and then keep growing this thing with, uh, with great people and, and um, you know, build this out to a true uh, platform sale um, where I feel like we have a, a real opportunity in a, in, a, in a space that's been around for a while with, uh, you know, some solutions that I think we're, we're ready to go disrupt. Yeah. So obviously it's, it's the GRC space, um, which if anyone can make it sexy, Tom, <laughs> no pressure, right? You know, sexy is, uh, it's an interesting word. Everyone has their own definition. And um, I, I got to tell you what, it's, it's actually a hot space uh, right now. Um, I'm learning, I'm drinking from the fire hose. I'm, I'm just, uh, you know, a few weeks in and um, you know, what's going on in the, in the world today with uh, you know, risk being so, so important right in the front of uh, you know, whether it's cybersecurity challenges or even the pandemic, what's driven that along with uh, you know, making life easier for, for the users, whether it's auditors or um, compliance folks, or, you know, even just folks across risk. 
to me, that's sexy, uh, frankly, helping, <laughs> helping customers and, um, you know, in a space that, uh, you know, is, is, is absolutely growing. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, we're going to make it sexy. That's for sure, Simon. Great, great. Fantastic. Well, oh, I was just going to say, we're, we're going to spend quite a lot of time talking about what it is you're actually doing and what you're implementing and how you're bringing about that change, because I'm sure that you've got lots and lots of ideas coming from where you've come from. Um, I suppose what I wanted to do was go right to the beginning, um, if uh, Tom. So just really wanted to understand your entry into um, into software sales. So, so take us right to the beginning of your journey. Yeah. Um, you know, it'd be, it's, I, I don't know if I fell into it or, or what. I didn't have a clue what I wanted to do, you know, out of, out of school. And, um, you know, my first job was, was uh, in industrial sales. For those of you who have uh, seen Tommy Boy, I was, I was essentially Tommy Boy, uh, Chris Farley, driving around for <laughs> two years in a, uh, in a car uh, talking to uh, tier one, you know, automotive suppliers. And um, it was actually a blast. I had uh, some really good people over there. Um, but two things um, happened. Oh, by the way, I had a company car. I got to share that um, company <laughs> car right out of school, a uh, Chevy Venture minivan at 22 years old. It was, it, it was, it was pretty amazing uh, driving around and, you know, but uh, it it, you know, ultimately what uh, I, there was two things that were really important to me. One, I wanted to get the heck out of the Midwest for a period of time in the Midwest and the States. For those of you who don't know, it's uh, it's frigid. It's cold. Um, that's where I grew up. That's all I knew. And I uh, said, OK, that's that's one. Number two, tech was starting to get hot, um, you know, at, at the time I had a couple of friends in it. And I said, OK, let's let's do that as well and, 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 and see and get into software. I, uh, I thought that, uh, so I, I pig, uh, kind of pigeonholed San Diego where I wanted to, to move, looked at a bunch of different spots and like San Diego is like 72 degrees Fahrenheit every single day. That's beautiful. And, uh, with a lot of naivety think, you know, thought that, uh, you know, these companies are going to all want to hire me that are in this high tech, this industrial kid, you know, living in Indiana. And that, that definitely didn't happen. They said, why don't you come and move out here first? And maybe we'll talk to you. You have zero experience. And uh, that's ultimately what I did. Um, so the first six, seven weeks were amazing. I, uh, I did a lot of surfing. I uh, was just uh, trying to figure out what's next. But just talked to a ton of people, leveraged my network. Uh, there was a guy that I knew um, that was at Qualcomm at the time. And he hooked me up. And I got to give him a call out. A guy by the name of Jesse Rubin, who was my first intro into, uh, into software. He was at a company called Cardiff Software, about a 50, 60-person company. Um, and that's how I got in, ended up, uh, you know, just being a good cultural fit and, uh, that's where it started. It's, it, it's interesting. Obviously you just, um, dropped everything back to yourself and just moved West. It's just, uh, is, is that the kind of the beginning of the mindset? Obviously you went on to, uh, autonomy. You did software sales there for, for, for a while before obviously making the, uh, the life-changing move to blade logic, but was, was that kind of the mindset you've always had? Uh, Tom, just back yourself and foolish yeah. foolishness. You could call it too. That you know, it's it's yeah. I I um you know I I got that you know maybe from my from my parents um, taking taking a chance, um, listening to uh, you know everyone has an opinion you know when you when you uh, look at making life changes like that, uh, but following your heart and your head and and you know I knew um, that you know getting out 
and, and living in a spot that I want to live was, you know, you only so many chances you get to do that in life. And that was, um, that was important. And I guess whether it's foolishly or not, I'm going to bet on myself and, um, there's going to be something I'm going to be able to latch onto and, uh, uh, you know, and then not turn back, not turn back, you know, at all. And that's, um, you know, I would say I've done that a number of different times now. It hasn't always worked, but, uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, Simon, you know, I always try to, you know, if you bet on yourself, you, um, you know, you take calculated risks and you have good people that you, uh, you know, in your network and you leverage them, you know, typically good things happen. Perfect segue into blade yeah. logic, probably actually, because, um, surrounding yourself with some incredible people, um, you know, in 2006, when you made that move, just tell us a little bit about that transition from, you know, were you always a good salesperson? Why you were hired at blade logic and you know, what really changed for you? Just take us there. Yeah. So I was, um, I, I don't know. I, I was a, a pretty cocky rep, you know, at the time I thought I was pretty good. Right. And I had some unbelievable mentorships at, uh, at Cardiff and Verity, uh, as well. That kind of t- taught me the, the value sale. Um, but I didn't know, you know, hear about the blade logic tree. I didn't really know anything, you know, about that, that the PTC background and, and, you know, medic or anything that, that, that went into it. And same, same thing. I, I reached out to my extended work, uh, network, um, my wife's uh, good high school friend, uh, sisters of the guy by the name of Jeremy Rizar that was at Blade Logic. I didn't even know him. I, I reached out to him and he knew I was trying to get, you know, uh, another role in, in software. And he's like, you got it. We got an opening in Chicago. You know, you got you got to take a look. And so I had a couple different uh, discussions with the, the hiring leaders, you know, out there and, and uh, was really impressed. You know, they're asking great questions. And then um, they said, OK, we want to send you out to Boston. And uh, again, not knowing really the background, I did a little bit of research. You're going to meet with this guy, John McMahon. And, um, you know, just be yourself, be yourself. Um, and that that's what I did. But I didn't, you know, the, the, the tutelage and all the, you know, the mystique behind it didn't really know. And so I went out there. Um, it was about a two hour session with John, big whiteboard, uh, whiteboard session. I'll never forget at the end. He said, well, you know, you didn't do anything to screw it up. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was pretty much his response. I think I just asked a shitload of questions. That's what it was. I, cause I really didn't know everything. Um, I, that's, it's kind of a theme. I'm not, this, I'm not going to be the smartest guy in the room. I'm going to ask a lot of questions and then, uh, and then did a video conference with David Acheria. Uh, and, uh, no one prepared me for that one. He, he grilled me pretty good. And, um, yeah, we, we, um, that's how it all kind of began, but I didn't really know what I got into at all until really until boot camp. Um, where, you know, it was about a month later, it was our, you know, first week on the job and, and training like, shit, this thing's serious. This is serious. I got to up my game. So were you a high performing salesperson before that autonomy? Uh, yeah. So I was a Cardiff Verity and then autonomy and it was uh, acquiring us. Um, I, I did well, I did well. Um, Dave said it, um, you know, best. He said, I feel like you're, you know, you're like really good high school, you know, high school player, right? And, and uh, you know, it's time to get you in, you know, like a real pro gym where you're lifting weights at a different level, right? And, and so um, I, I didn't know what that meant until you actually see it, right? And, and, and then, you know, being around the talent that was at uh, Blade Logic early and just the, the dialogue that was going on in, in these meetings, I hadn't been around that before. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's all relative, right, Ali? Yeah. Um, you know, I was, I was good. I didn't really know why I was good. 
Yeah. Um, that was, that was the big thing. It was, I didn't really have a compass on why, you know, and you realize it's not by accident. And then there's, you know, when you're not doing well, why? <clears throat> so do you think you epitomized the, obviously did to some degree, obviously these guys were hiring against ice criteria, the intelligence, the characteristics and coachability. Were you, were those traits that they saw in you at that stage? And could you see how they related those two elements to you? I have no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> I'm not going to, I, I don't, I, I don't know. Um, I think maybe the biggest thing going back to, you know, my, my interview, man, it was a small little room in the Lexington office, you know, and, and John was whiteboarding and, and actually, you know, talking most of the time, I was just really inquisitive because I didn't know the, I didn't know the, I didn't know the answers. Mm. Right. So it probably helped me that I was naive. Frankly, mm. I don't know if I would have, I don't know if I would have won the job if I had um, that experience and I thought that was, uh, that I was good yeah. or great, you know, that, that inquisition mm. um, to me. And now when I think about it, that's, that's what I interview for as well, without even kind of knowing it, right. Mm. Someone who's got all the answers versus someone who's seeking to understand that was yeah. probably it. I'm guessing. That definitely epitomizes yeah. the coachability part, well, right. You know, somebody that's really looking to find the answers and learn. Well, and it, 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 and then the eye, the intelligence, if you're asking, you know, the, asking the level the right of questions. questions that you're asking, yeah. um, and, and the depth of the questions you can, it, it kind of hits both of those. Yeah, for sure. So, but I, who knows? I don't know why the hell they took a chance on me. Yeah. <laughs> and how I'm steep- sure we'll find out more. Yeah. I'm sure we'll find out during this. Interview. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and how steep a learning curve was it for you? Was it a really different environment to the environments that you have been in in the past? Um, so I think, again, I had some really good mentorship early on, um, on just, you know, pursuit and value-based selling, um, you know, gentlemen, uh, Jeff Siegel, Steve Crapo, you know, early on in my career. And then, um, it was the regimen. I think that was, that kind of took it to the next level on, um, on the, on the why, right. The first introduction into, um, truly dissecting business with, with medic. I hadn't, I didn't have any exposure, you know, to that, you know, that truly that compass, um, the amount of time that we spent on the product and me really learning the solution and the value prop and the differentiators was insane. So like, you know, the, the, the bootcamp, it was five days long. Um, this wasn't just about like, you know, how to pick up a phone and, and, and call and, 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 you know, and qualify and, and close, right. It was, it was deep. Basically the thought process was, you know, Vic, uh, Vic at the time and, and, and John, uh, you better know your shit better than your customer. Right. But you better know what the four key differentiators are, you know, as well against Opsware. Um, we needed to be out there and just, um, you know, essentially hired, hired guns in terms of knowing, knowing the solution. You came out of that, you better know your stuff. And, and it was continuous. It wasn't just a one-time, a lot of times with sales enablement, it's a one-time event for those three to five days. And then you kind of go out and about, and you become reactive. Uh, every sales meeting that we, um, that we had, uh, it, it said you had to be on your game and it was going back and forth and just, truly mastering your craft, truly being a student. That's, that's what stood out. Um, it was the commitment to that from leadership. And then, um, there was that competition, right? You don't want to, you don't want to look like an idiot when you're in these meetings, um, in these QBRs and, and, uh, you know, so that, yeah. And that was, that was, that was the big thing. 
so what were you really focusing on when you when you obviously made that transition across what what were you really kind of thinking about and prioritizing and what what did you most need to work on to adapt to that new environment um so it was it was commitment i would say more than anything simon so the 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 true commitment if you look at sales you know it it's really not that difficult when you break it down, right? It, it, it's, it's commitment to top of funnel, right? And, 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 you know, pipeline generation and, and, and getting enough in the hopper and being smart about it and leveraging, you know, everything out there to, to get it. And then it's, um, you know, once you get a visible opportunity, it's doing it with excellence, right? And if you break it down, that's, that's, it's those two things, right? And, you know, and, and um, having that commitment and discipline is actually the hardest part of, of any role and our, you know, our, our, our leaders at the time um, were religious on that. You know, we would have one-on-ones and it was not just deal reviews, which is the normal thing. You know, let's look what's, uh, we didn't have Salesforce at the time, whatever it was. Right. And let's look at, let's look at uh, your pipeline and how do we move these deals across? It was just as much commitment on how are you running your business, your, your PG plan, who are you working with to, uh, you know, to get in the doors? How are you tracking it? Um, and the best, uh, you know, the reps are so different from each other. You can't pigeonhole, but it's the ones that operate like business people, you know, true Mm -hmm. GMs of their business franchise owners. Um, and that's where I would say those were the, the, the bigger, the biggest learnings early on, because you can go so many different ways. Are you going to control your business or are you going to let it be, you're going to let it control you, right. And, and, and be reactive. And that, that level of commitment, yeah. is that well, something that is just in you or is that something that you've learned or taught to do? You know, it's, it, it's something, you know, we in hiring profile sometimes you say, you, know, you, you bring in, you know, athletes or musicians or folks that, you know, have a trade that they've had to do something similar, whatever it is, chef, I don't care. Anyone who's going to be great at something has to have that level of commitment. So I had some of that early on. I got really into, um, you know, I was into sport and got really into cycling early uh, in, in college and that commitment and that di- discipline to get up and put those miles on um, when you didn't want to, or, you know, to mix up your workout and be, you know, really kind of scientific about how you were going to do it. I had some of that in me. Um, but you know, the artist, the artistry in me can get in the way too, right? Because we, we are artists, you know, as well as, as, as salespeople, you got to be both. And um, outsmarting or outthinking or, um, uh, you know, taking shortcuts, like we're all going to, we're going to all want to do that, right? When it's out there, I don't need to do this. And you can get away with it um, on a deal. You can get away with it on a, you know, specific go to market thing. Um it's not sustainable though. It's not sustainable. So yeah, I still have to hit myself over the head though on it, Ali. I mean, it's a, it's a constant struggle, right? You said, okay, let's just do this. You know, let's just do this fast or, you know, be reactive or just focus on the urgent, you know, all that stuff. So it's, it's, um, it, it's, it's learned as much as it's an innate yeah. trait in my opinion. Did, did you always see the light at the end of the tunnel did you always believe from day one if i commit to this and i'm i'm part of this and i master this then i will be successful or was it kind of blind faith or talk to us a little bit about that no i absolutely not you know i i'd say the first 
several, even several years, frankly. It, it was like, I'm following this because um, I've seen enough people be successful, but then like I was scared shitless not to in, in some ways. Like I, I better do this because um, that's just what you do. Um, until I saw like a deal end to end where I, I generated the lead and then ultimately closed it that process and, 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 and following it, it, the light bulb didn't go on. And that was the real deal. It, it took it. That was, that was a year and a half where it was like totally soup, soup to nuts in terms of like everything. Perfect. I, I closed a lot of business before that and, and, and it was in there, but it wasn't like, it wasn't that, you know, step-by-step approach. And um, I don't think we're as repeatable. You kind of get lucky on it, but when you see it, when you actually see it and you go through it and you're like, all right, there's, it becomes, it becomes a rhythm. And you're like, why would I, why would I take a shortcut? Cause this, you know, I can get away with it, but this is like, this is a beautiful thing that took a couple of years. Um, and then, uh, you know, I don't think I really even recognize until I started leading until you actually see, you see it now from a different perspective. It's so hard when you're on the front line as an IC, you get emotionally attached. Um, it's a different, it's a different deal. Yeah, which obviously you know, your first line management experience was that BMC the first time that you actually yeah yeah um, yeah it was about a, a couple years into BMC after you know BMC acquired uh, Blade Logic and um, that's 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 how I started that's how I got into that madness. <laughs> so that was two thousand and eight. You obviously post acquisition. Um, obviously transitioned across, joined as regional sales manager. Just just tell us a little bit about that transition from IC to to kind of first line. Yeah. Um, and actually, it was yeah about two thousand, I think two thousand ten. So I was um, I went from a you know kind of a Blade Logic specialist to then um, you know kind of selling the entire portfolio still as an IC, and then um, uh, you know did well. And then it got to a point where I was spending more and more time um, uh, helping interview, you know, the, the, the leaders, you know, other folks as, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a peer. Um, I got really involved in the enablement side when we'd have our, you know, our QBRs and our sales enablement. Um, and it was interesting. It was like interviewing people and the whole talent piece. And then um, the enablement side, I just, I had like this different type of energy that I didn't have even closing, closing business. And you just kind of, you just kind of know. Right. And, and um, so that's, that's kind of what triggered it. It was, it was motivation. I said, you know, this is, this is it. I want to get into it. What I was uh, you know, I had mentorship at the time. So you don't want to, don't get into it because that's just the promotional path of what you should do. Right. You know, leadership isn't actually for everyone. If you don't have the right passion and the, and the right why behind it, keep doing what you're doing because it's a hell of a lot easier to be a great rep and you can control your own destiny, make a shitload of money, you know, all that. Um, and so I probably held back a year, year and a half before I really wanted, you know, wanted that. And then, it, you know, for sure got into it at the right time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then, uh, yeah, I haven't turned back. Did you have to make sacrifices to make that step up? I suppose first line to second line is probably a bigger a bigger transition in terms of, you know, those sacrifices for self because you probably, you know, that there there are challenges around that. But what, what sacrifice did did you have to make to make that transition? So, yeah, I think the big thing, 
it, you know, you don't own your own, you don't own your own schedule anymore, right? When you're when you're in leadership, it's it's everyone else, um, and like having that selfless piece, you know, number one, number two, you know, I felt like I had become a pretty good rep. Uh, you realize it how different everyone else is doing their business. Right. And, and if you don't have patience level around it, like forget about it. So those two things, um, I wouldn't say were a sacrifice cause I was ready for it at the time. I had spent enough time and it was, it was relatively natural, but, um, and then, and then the big thing is, uh, you know, I had to find my backfill, you know, as, as well. Right. So that was an interesting, you know, an interesting process. Um, I think I did pretty well on that one. Um, uh, he's gone on to, to do pretty well, but, uh, that was that was it. I, I think frontline leadership for me though was was relatively natural. I had a I had a blast and an amazing team. You know that 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 first year and um, I, I knew it was like all right, this is this is the right this is the right deal. But yeah, your schedule your schedule isn't yours anymore. <laughs> yeah, how did you know you were ready to make that step? Um, yeah, like like I said, it was it was the stuff. I'm a big thing, like whether, you, whether it's when you go to bed at night or when you get up, like what gets, what gets you going. Right. And, and the, um, the strategy of building a team, um, bringing in talent, developing them, um, while developing them, seeing them be successful. Like that was, it was, it was like more of a entrepreneurial being the true business person, just run it than just running your own territory for me. And, and you should be, like opera like a gym as a rep, you know, as well. Right. As I see, but it was just, it was a little bit bigger, a little bit more strategic, more of a puzzle. Um, and, and uh, you know, it was, it, it, it was just a natural feeling. You know, I don't know if there was one moment. Um, mm-hmm. And then it, you know, I thought that was the case. And then once I was in the seat, seeing, you know, some incremental value that maybe you can bring to someone um, and then actually see it happen. And then the feeling that I had after that was like, all right, this was, this is the right, this is the right call. But I don't want to pretend like it was, you know, there was moments like, what the hell did I just get myself into as well, right? <laughs> I mean, shit, it's a different deal. This point, from yeah. a commitment point of yeah. view, obviously, you, you, you've obviously just made that decision yes. to go from an IC to a first line manager where you're going to sacrifice money. You're going to make a lot of sacrifices against what, what you've just mentioned. At that point, are you consciously making the decision that, you know what, I'm just going to go to first-line management? Or are you setting yourself at that stage career aspirations to become CRO, to become yeah. hire? Yeah, you, you know, you might not believe this. I truly, the only job I ever asked for was frontline leadership because I wanted to get into leadership. I never thought about, I want to be area director and then regional vice president and then um, run up, like, that whole, that whole deal. It, I didn't, we weren't calling it CROs at that point, but like that was so far out there. I wasn't, I didn't know if I, you know, wanted to do that, whether I had the talent to do it. It was like, it was this thing, you know, out there. And, and um, this is where like the mentorship and I think just thinking through stuff, just like we say with, 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 uh, with sales reps, focus on, you focus on your people as a leader, you focus on developing them, you focus just on that part. Typically the promotions will happen if that's what you want, you're gonna be in a good spot where I've seen the challenge. I never, I think it's been one of the secrets to my success. Um, I always seen what's next 
in the FOMO or, you know, you know, the, the hype aspect of that or the title chasing, you can get away with it, you know, kind of just like a deal, right? You can get away with maybe getting that promotion. Um, I don't think it's sustainable, Ali. I really don't. Um, Cause you're not, you're not honing in on the stuff that matters yeah. and people see through it too. Like, uh, you know, uh, you're, the leaders I work with, they're pretty sharp. They don't, you know, it's not about CCing them on a, on a note, you know, to, to look good or, or having, um, you know, having that conversation and about how great I am or how I want, like they will talk through skip levels and talk to the team and like, you know, what, you know, what's Tom doing? Well, where are you getting? Are you, you know, they don't even have to bring me into it. They can talk they tell about the development and the team focus on yeah. that. And so I had some, uh, I had people directly and indirectly um, say that early on and it's just, it's core, you know, it's, 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 it's core. And then it's something that I actually now, um, you know, when I rate, you know, my leadership, it's something that I look at, right. Don't, you don't have to be, you know, friendly to me and niceties to kiss my butt, like do your, do your job. Yeah. Right? yeah. So, so making that next step up to second line manager, um, what did you need to, what did you need to focus on? What did you need to work on to, to, to make that transition? I know you said you didn't ask for it, but you obviously are now thinking complete selflessness. Just, just talk, talk us through that. I was, um, I was awful. My first six months, I was an awful second line leader. Um, we were going through a lot of change as a company. Um, you know, many people were leaving. Uh, I was only in the first line role for like 11 months. And um, to now, you know, be a leader of my peers, I didn't own it at all. Um, and I, uh, I lost myself. I, it kind of, you know, often I wasn't being myself. I was being who I thought I should be is now an area director. And um, I almost lost the entire area. Uh, I was truly a disaster. Um, and it took some folks on my team who were reps that I used to, you know, be peers with to basically say to Tom, like, what the hell is going on with you? You got to get your shit together. Like, there, there were, I, it's visual in my head, like these conversations. And um, yeah, it was almost like that rock bottom moment. And I was like, going back to what I said earlier, like it was... Um, I was thinking I needed to be a certain persona um, and I had to lead a certain way rather than just dude, just be, be Tom, you know, um, you know, own, own the conversations, um, be personable, be, be, be humanistic, um, you know, run your, you know, run the business with expectations, but focusing on the mission, right. Focusing on the mission rather than like whatever this side is. So I, I wasn't comfortable in the role and it took, yeah, like I said, at least six months. Mm. Um, I almost lost it. Is that because obviously with the playbook and the big reputations and you've obviously got John McMahon, a big personality, a big inspiration. Obviously a lot of people started to, let's, let's use the word mimic John McMahon's leadership style and, and really try to replicate that. Do, do you feel that perhaps you fell into that trap initially and, and you weren't really your authentic self? Is that something you really needed to work on to, to break through and find your own leadership style? Yeah, it's a really good question, Simon. I would say, and it wasn't just at that moment, whenever I feel like I've lost my way, I mean, it's happened even after that, um, as, as a leader, is when 
I was, I don't know about mimic, but I was trying to be something rather than just owning the role and, and realizing I'm in this role for a reason and be authentic to who I am. You know, it was Tom versus whoever that great leader was before me or whoever that great leader who's been doing all the training of leaders. Um, and it's, it's funny that the smart, we talk about like the intelligence of, of hiring great people, whether it's reps or leaders, right? Well, they're intelligent. You can't bullshit them. <laughs> and when you're not being authentic, you are bullshitting them. And like you lose, it's so easy to lose an entire team or a person when you're, when you're, um, you're, you're trying to be something right. Rather than just like truly be, be you, be you. Yeah. And um, yeah. So like, and it hit me like this early on is that, and I, I think I was pretty natural in that first line role. Cause I was just, just me. And I didn't, I owned it, lost it, owned it. And there were a couple other times where I've, you know, I've, I've, I've lost it, you know, but to go back to that uh, initial piece, you know, whenever that was, you know, nine, 10 years ago, um, I do, I, you, you go back to the well and you're like, be authentic, mm-hmm. be real, be vulnerable. Um, your team, it's not about being perfect. It's not about being a specific role, you know, just truly, truly own it. And um, yeah, I think that's, that's, I think that's so critical, especially now, today's day and age, people don't have time for, for bullshit. Yeah, totally agree. And it's really interesting, yeah. I think, you know, focusing on what Simon was saying there. I think you know, when you have got these <clears throat> individuals that have been so, I suppose, instrumental into, you know, teaching you and mentoring you, it's, it's quite hard not to morph into that individual thinking, do you know what, this is what I liked about that person. And, you know, this is what I hope that people would like me for. Um, because I think, you know, it's. Yeah. Well, you know, and you've had many of them on, on the podcast, right? I mean, there's some magnetic personalities that, um, you know, that, that, you know, whether it originated from Blade Logic or, you know, came in, you know, the BMC that they're doing big things now that, that I've worked for and they're amazing and they, they run, you know, they, they can, they, they not just can control the room, but you know, they're inspirational, but they're also training all that stuff. And, and, um, it's really easy when you're, you're learning from them to say, okay, I want to be like that. Yeah. I, I, I want to be like that. And I think the key thing is taking, take the data, you know, take, take, take the message and use some of that, but you can't, there's only one John McMahon, right? There's, there's only one Dolly. There's only one Jeremy. There's only, I mean, these folks are their own personalities and persona. I'm not going to get up there and try to, and I've done it a couple of times. I'm like, dude, who, who was that? Yeah, I'm going to yeah. be, I'm this guy from Wisconsin, right? Uh, you know, <laughs> or they call us cheeseheads here. Like I got to have my own way. Um, but until you own that, until I owned it as a leader, it's like, I was trying to be something. Mm. Um, the team sees it. They see through it yeah. uh, immediately. It's, it's, it's crazy. And um, yeah, it's more than just, you know, accepting who you are. It's finding your own style, your own way to um to inspire and you know develop and all that stuff do you think um, you go the opposite way to that though in that you know you're trying not to be there's there's probably a the, uh, as i said the, uh, the opposite to this which is then you kind of counteract that yeah. and trying yeah. to be somebody you're not by being somebody different to the person that you're not 
so I suppose actually identifying, and I hate to say it, finding yourself and finding your own management operating rhythm must be a really, really, really tough process to go through. It is because, you know, at some level, especially as a rep, we're trained to be chameleons a little bit to, to whether it's mimic our, our prospect or our customer and kind of uh, when you get into, when you get into leadership, what I've found, like the people that I've loved to work for is they're consistent. You know what you're going to get, you know, with them. And I might not even love the style all the time, but like it's, 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 it's consistent. They are who they are. And um, uh, they're also, you know, going to play to, you know, on one-on-ones, especially there's a difference between like group settings versus one-on-ones. They're going to, they're going to play to, you know, my motivations and my interest you know, as, as well. But I think it's really important to have a, a, you know, consistency as a leader, embrace your own sense of style. And then when um, we're having the, the individual discussions, playing off the, the, the motivations and the, and the why, whatever it may be to, to whoever you're working with, right? And, and it's a tough balance though, Ali, right? Yeah. It's, it's a tough balance. I don't think you need to overthink it. Mm. truly i think some of this stuff it's like anything in like whether it's sport or like you do this enough um you know trust it and then um yeah we're not robotic yeah yeah Yeah. unlocking the why is one of the parts to your playbook right so elaborate on that for us a little yeah about um yeah, I tried to do it relatively early on. It was, it just was, it was somewhat natural to me. Um, and it was something I spent time on thinking like once I got into to leadership, you know, I had four individuals on my first team that were so, so different from each other um, uh, that uh, were at different levels of their career, um, you know, different age brackets, different experience. And so that, I think that experience early on um, in different levels of success, uh, spending time with them, mapping out their their franchise or their industry, but really, it wasn't just about like the account pursuits. It was like, what the hell do you want to be? Mm. Like, what gets you going? And uh, what is your what is your why? Right? I wasn't asking that necessarily, you know, all the time. But you, it's amazing what you can get out when you lead when you lead with that. Truly, everyone's motivated a little bit differently, and 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 some do want the career the career path and they already know they want to be CRO. Some have no interest in any of that. They want to control their own destiny and just be a professional sales executive. Uh, some are, it's amazing this type of stuff that you can get out that's family-based, right? There's this, there's, there's this deeply rooted uh, thing that happened in their life, right? And, and it's such a asset as leadership to know that. Um, if you don't, you're missing, you're missing just key ingredients you know, to, to inspiration and, and, and basically, you know, laying down the foundation, which is the playbook. That's not going to be, you can't do it the same way, you know, for everyone. And, and, um, you know, I, I think I learned that early on again, when I got out of my, my, my way, when I, when I, when I had my challenges, I kind of got away from that. Mm. Anytime I went back to that, typically good things happen. Right. And, and, and the, Amazing thing that happens then is you build this relationship with your team where it's so much bigger than just the deal. It's so much bigger than the transaction. It's so much bigger than just pipeline generation, everything that we talk about in the playbook, which is really, really critical. But now there's this emotional attachment that 
when they're having success, it's based on something bigger than that. And they want to have success for me or their leader too. Right. It's, it's like, you know, many times where we were down in a, in a, in a quarter, um, and, uh, where reps, they had, they had already, they had gotten their big deals in, in, in place and they were well over, you know, hundred percent for the quarter, maybe for the year, they would go that extra mile because they knew the region needed it. Right. And, and you know, without that bond, like it, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's empty. Um, so I think, th- I think that's really big some, or, you know, Ali and, and um, now more than ever, now more than ever, the shit that we've all dealt with this, this last year, if you don't have that connection, I, I think you're a dying breed as a, as a leader. I really do. I don't yeah. think it matters what playbook you have. Yeah, that's actually your, yeah. uh, another element of your playbook, isn't it? Build yeah. selfless high performers. That's something that you try and nurture and really, and, and that's all kind of linked into the why. But just tell us a little bit more about that. The selfless high performers? Yeah, the selfless high performers, oh. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I think a big thing is it starts with what I hire for. Um, you know, there are, you know, serial successful salespeople that um, I'm not interested in bringing in because I don't, you know, after enough conversation, they're not selfless. It's about, it's, it's about themselves. Um, it's about how much money they can make it hard to unlock that. Why it's, 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 and, and I know they could be successful, but it, my thought, I would, uh, you know, I would always take someone that um, has is multidimensional, right? Whether they've gone through something in their life or they're, they're chasing something that's bigger, again, than just a title or just a, you know, just money. There's so much more that I feel that I can do with that individual to, to make them great. You know, uh, I'm a, it's funny. I, I'm, a, I'm officially a Pelotonian now, Peloton, if you guys are on it. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I actually did a great workout this morning. My guys, uh, Alex Toussaint, uh, he's got this quote and it gets me going. I'm a, I'm a sucker for activate your greatness. You know, he says it, you know, at the end uh, or at some point when he's kicking my ass. <laughs> and uh, that's that's what this is all about. It's it's truly how do we activate um, people's greatness? And they, you know, so many have it inside of them, but it hasn't come out. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's it, that's why it's so important to to unlock that. And, and um, I'm a big believer that whatever someone thinks they have, there's always a little bit more. There's always a little bit more that they can give if you can find, if you can find whatever that is, right. As as a leader. So um, yeah, but it starts with recruiting the the right type of, of people that, that, that actually want that. And then it's our job um, to develop the hell out of them and and truly make them great. Right. They, they signed up, they took a chance. Now, what are we going to do to make them great? You focus on those two things and have, you know, the playbook in place. That's, that's how you make something magical. So is that, yeah. do you go through, do you get your first, second line and whoever it is that is managing those individuals, do you actually get them to go through that exercise? And do you have a specific exercise in being able to unlock that? Why? Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's iterative, uh, Ollie, but you know, one of the things that we spend a lot of time on, uh, with leadership is, um, yeah, you dissect the team and, and, you know, you probably, and I think it's been talked about on this podcast, the whole concept of skill will, right. Where, um, uh, really understanding where people are, right. Do they have, do they have the skill in the playbook 
but they also still have the will to be great. And then, um, and then it's a constant, it, like things change. Like I said, I've been at times where uh, early on, I didn't have the skill, but I was going to do anything right to, to just absolutely annihilate it. And then a year and a half later, there's sometimes something going on or I had stuff going on in my life where I, I had the skill and my head wasn't in the game. Right. And so as leaders, we have to be on top of that. We have to be on top of that stuff. And it, it is going into, you know, the personal aspect of where, where people are in their life. And that's, to me, it starts with the one-on-ones. The one-on-one cannot just be about deal review. Um, Cause you miss that whole piece. It, it, it hones in on the development. It hones in on the why of that individual and what are we doing to get there? Right. And, and, and so, yeah, that's a big, that's a big piece. And um, it's a transition for many new leaders once they get there to start thinking that way, because they've been really transactional as, as reps and really good. And then uh, if we bring in folks from the outside, they haven't typically, you know, thought of it that way. It's, it's, let's open up Salesforce. Let's go into our commit deals or upside, you know, let's look at the pipeline. And that's, that's the one-on-one. To me, you can do that. You can do that over email. Like there's going to be times where, you know, you do the deal reviews and obviously we're going to be looking at leading indicators in the pipeline, but the development piece, that's, that's critical. Right. And that's, that's how you unlock that, that greatness. I think that is, you know, whenever I look at any previous manager or, you know, person that I've aspired to it's somebody that's helped me achieve the goals that I've set myself and by under you know they can be work goals they can be personal goals they could tie the two together right so by driving and really getting to understand what that person's motivations are a motivator and and genuine and as a manager genuinely having a passion to help somebody get to those you're gonna you're gonna form a bond which you know, is 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 going to only only bring positivity and yeah. and closeness. You do, and then the beauty is, because um, there's still this doesn't mean we're still not um, going through all the all the things that matter to run your business, right? Yeah. But when you can connect it to that, it's a lot of this is pattern recognition, right? And you see it many many times where someone who's been uber successful and they're doing all the right things to have new business meetings. They're, uh, you know, for the first, let's say five, six quarters, right? They got, they have the pipeline, they have uh, the, the, the proof of values, all the kind of the, the key things, you know, to, you know, for success. And then it starts to dip all of a sudden for like two months. It's typically not by accident. No. Like something is, something is going on. So to be able to like connect those two together, because you actually understand what they care about, that yeah. conversation is different than like, what the hell is going on with you? You're, uh, you know, it's more of a scoreboard type, yeah. type approach. To me, that's what's sustainable. And that's kind of that, that next level of leadership. That's, it's not, it's not about just transactional, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of taken it to that next step. But it's, it's hard, it's hard to do because we're moving fast, right? And I've gotten into many bad habits, but it's that if center, whenever I'm centering on that, um, things become a lot, you know, I would say for me, at least a hell of a lot more clear. Which then obviously helps with the retention part of the business, right? <laughs> because if you're personally yeah. attached, then yeah, retention you know, it's, becomes- it's, it's interesting. Say, you know, at, at multiple times at, at two different companies, 
um, even when many people left or senior leaders or, you know, I was at, even at a time where, you know, we became privatized and uh, it was really, really difficult. Um, many really successful reps and leaders still stayed on the team. And um, when everyone was coming after them, right. And, and the big thing was that emotional attachment, the fact that they were getting um, you know, developed by their, their, their leader, they enjoyed the people that they work with. They knew that their leadership cared. Like, and then there's always going to be times where there's just an opportunity that's too good that they're going to pursue, but they're not running away, you know? And, and, um, and then on the opposite, I've observed it too. And I've been part of it and, and, and you know, a failure this way where things are humming, like, uh, reps are, they're actually, you know, they're, they're, they're crushing it. They're doing all the right things. And then you're, as a leader, you should never really be surprised, right? If someone leaves, but you're surprised. Typically that reason is that lack of connection. Something's going on on the home front, personal front, whatever, you know, whatever may be going on, they're actually doing, the, the book of business looks, looks good, but something's, something's off, you know? And that, that to me is, those, those are the tough ones, right? Mm-hmm. These are like, that's, that's, that's a miss because we were moving so fast. Yeah. And do you think that's a yeah. big part of BMC, that point of Blade Logic? Obviously, you know, the, 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 sorry, the acquisition of Blade Logic by BMC wasn't necessarily the most desired job in the world to work for BMC at that time. But do you think that people stayed on because of that reason? Because, um, yeah, I think for a period of time, it was, it was, it was pretty cool. And I was still so new and young in my career. And, um, I didn't really know what to make of it. Right. I, I went to, um, Play logic because it was it, it was it was smaller it was it was high growth it was entrepreneurial and then at the time BMC seemed massive right you know two billion dollar company and six thousand employees. Um, what was really cool there though was it wasn't just the blade the blade logic folks that that stuck around it was seeing the cultures merge together right the folk and and, and I think that's another just thing that I'm conscientious of. There was a time where it was it was the blade logic crew at, at, at BMC, right. And, and, you know, the blade logic posse and I was part of it. Right. But at some point realized like, listen, there's some really good talent, really good talent at, 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 at BMC is when like that bullshit was kind of over and we were like just working together as a team to, you know, beat up on the, on the competition. And there were, uh, again, the inquisitive reps at BMC who wanted to, to be develop, developed kind of a different way. They embraced it. And then frankly, I think a lot of us at, at Blade Logic, we were selling still kind of a, a point, you know, two at the time we 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 learned too, you know, the power of of account management and positioning more of a platform. You know, we were learning, we were learning from each other. Um, it was continuous learning from both sides, bi-directional, not just one, you know, to the other. And and that was, yeah, there was a period of three, four years there that um it, it was it was pretty special, you know, the, the culture itself. A lot of fun people, that's for sure. So after, so December 2013, you're, you were finally called up by, well, I, I imagine it would have been Dali at the time, yes. Abdi, to join as general manager for Central US and Canada. So after some very successful years at BMC, obviously transitioned first line, second line manager, the call came. Why did why did you decide to go and join Abdi at that time? 
Yeah, it wasn't that fancy of a title. Uh, you know, I probably put there that in LinkedIn, Simon. I was I was a glorified uh, kind of rep to start off at, at <laughs> Athenics. Um, no, so I uh, that was funny. There was I, I knew probably you know that summer before um, that um, I wanted to go back and disrupt again. You know, and that's just kind of my that's that's my fire, right? You know, build and and and, and disrupt. Uh, it, things were in a, in a relatively good spot at, at, at BMC, and I, I, I did look at, at several different companies. Um, and yeah, and I, I didn't know exactly what uh, you know. I, I didn't know what to know in terms of the, the job pursuit, but I knew many people that were there. They were all very, very talented. And I knew that there was a um, uh, they were disrupting a market that was already there with with something that was different. And then um, my big thing was like, I, I felt like the impact and experience I had had from, you know, the couple years there to now go build a new region was, was really attractive. But I went from having, you know, 30 people on my team and, you know, at the time it was probably a 40 to $50 million book of business to, you know, there were, there were five of us, you know, uh, kind of building this thing out across the central. And I was like a player coach, you know, and, and it was, I didn't, I never viewed it as taking a step back at all. It's like, we're going to go build something. Um, you know, and, and not screw up what's working. Cause there was a lot that was working when I got there, but uh, you know, how do we, how do we scale this? How do we, you know, you know, where, where can we take this? And, and I just felt like, you know, app dynamics at that time had a lot of, you know, checked a lot of the boxes that were important and I had no idea what I was getting into, you know, <laughs> as, as, as well, but uh, that's where it started. Well, Apti was probably high, was hyper growth at this point, right? By the time you kind of joined, they were already really, you know, going for it. So was that a different environment to BMC in that sense in just the, the rapid rate of expansion or, and how did you react yeah, to that? We, um, we were kind of on the cusp of being rapid, rapid growth. Um, and then I would say that that first year, year and a half that I was there, like I said, you know, we went from like five to 20 plus, you know, reps across, across our region. And I was able to split it up with, with leadership. That pace was, was insane. Right. And, and, um, I, I wanted that, but until you're in it, you're like, there's, there's some holy shit, you know, moments because, um, there's a cost to growing fast. And, um, the pace is until you're in it, you don't really know what, you know, you know, how to handle it, how you're going to manage it. We were, we were still growing. It being so bit, it was more about like maintaining, maintaining the business. How do we grow the, the book of business? Uh, you know, we bring in, a couple reps a year to add on. And a lot of times it was backfilling folks that were leaving. This was now like every, you know, every month making sure that we were, um, you know, growing the book business with, with capacity. Right. And, and, um, but being smart about it, you know, how do we be smart about that? You mm -hmm. know, as well, cause you can bring in bodies. It's going to cost you in the long run if it's not the right, you know, yeah. the, the right people. So, but balancing that while, um, you know, we had some amazing, you know, reps on, on the team uh, going into battle and still in, in, in selling. It was much more hands on, you know, while we were building this out. It, you know, blast. Those first couple of years were, you know, truly um, I have some of the most amazing memories in my career. Sure. And, sure. and how do you balance your time between recruitment and sales and how tricky is it? Yeah, it's really tricky, really tricky. Um you know, we, we spent a lot of time and it's been on a couple of your podcasts, like the concept of like a PG Monday and, and really having dedicated time when you're, when you're a rep, 
rather than just chasing deals that you're focusing on your pipeline, right? And you're doing it every day, definitely one day a week. With recruiting, you have to follow the same mindset um, or else you're going you're gonna to be dead, right? And, and um, that dedicated time, number one, but then what I got to a point because I was traveling a bunch, any, any region that I was going into for a deal, wrapping in as a recruiting trip as well. So it was, it was um, mixing, but that, that takes a lot of prep. It's not like people are just showing up at the airplane, you know, wanting to talk to me, right? You have to, you have to set that up and, and um, you know, do a lot of this and own it on your own. You had some great recruiters early on as well, but um, you have, I, I had to make that as critical as any deal. Cause really, if you think about it, Ali, the, the power of bringing in a, a player rep that's going to be great is five to 10x bigger than your biggest deal in, in, in your pipeline, right? But it's hard to think that way. Mm-hmm. We did a pretty decent job of it, but it was, it was, it was, a, it was for sure a balance, for sure a balance. Um, and we had uh, plenty of people on us to say, you're down, you're behind in hiring, you got to get rolling. Um, but that was also, you got to be careful with that too, because it, you can, if you're not qualifying right, and you're just, like I said earlier, we're not bringing in the right talent, the cost of not bringing in the right talent, yeah. you're crushed. Now you never make it up because now you're spending all this time trying to develop them. And if they're only going to go so far, you're starting over. So yeah. um, it's, it's, it's one of the, the finer balances, I think, for, for leadership to really, it's tough to master, right? But you got to, it goes back to the discipline again. Yeah. So I, I, one of your playbook elements is build inspiration and trust. We've obviously just spoken about this period of, ex, you know, hyper growth. Um, just, just tell us a little bit about that, because obviously when you are growing so quickly, as well are you able to find the time to build those personal bonds because things are moving so quickly so just tell us a little bit about building inspiration and trust and how you incorporate that and why that's an important element in your playbook um i think it's one of the hardest things to do um especially at an earlier stage company um where you're wearing so many different hats right whatever that size is but it kind of start up to, to uber high growth um if you're not purposeful on it, it again, we, we have so many different things that we're doing and, 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 and um, you can lose sight of that personal element. I'm, I'm probably even doing it now, right? Just, you know, a few weeks in at, at Autoboard, losing sight on, on kind of that, that, that why and pers- of the people, you know, on the team, because there's 70 things that I need to go do. Um, so it's, it's dedicating that, it's dedicating that, that time. And again, being, being mindful of it. It's, it's really tough, you know, to get it. I think the big thing that is important though, for all leadership and my kids tell me this too, I got three daughters and it's like, I've gotten better at this. I still can get better. But when, when I'm at the dinner table, when I'm at the dinner table, putting the phone away and actually being present, being present with my kids and, and, and like my wife would say like, Tom, like 0% is better than 50% Tom. Like, so like just go into, go into your office and when you're present, be, be present. And I think it's, it's one of the hardest things to do, right. In the, in the age that we're in, when we have these one-on-ones with a rep or there's that, you know, not that we're traveling right now, but it's, it's, it's whether it's zoom or um, eventually when we get back after it, 
putting the phone away rather than checking all the stuff that's coming at you on the road and having those 30 minutes and being present with your, with your, with your team or that car ride, that car ride that you have, you know, pre pre meeting being present afterwards, doing a real debrief on the call, being present, putting the phone away, um, getting into those habits really help. Have I violated those habits? Hell yeah. Right. It's the end of a quarter and you got people buzzing you and calling you and all that stuff. Like it's no one's perfect, but um, it's, those are, those are those golden moments, especially like when you have a, you have a big, big region and they only have so much time with you and they're excited about it. Like be there, you know, be there for them. Um, I try to be conscientious of it, but yeah, I, I fail. I fail and sure every, every day on it. Mm. I think that goes back to, yeah. as you said, when yeah. you reflect that working experience, I've got two children myself and you know, those times, those important times, something you think is important at that moment in time, as you said, sat around the dinner and that message comes through and you're in the middle of a conversation with your wife, yeah. with your children. And now all of a sudden your whole CPU brain power has now been just directed <laughs> at whatever that problem or whatever that message said. And it is such a hard discipline. Um, and yeah, you've got, you've, you've definitely got to be a special character, but I think you're right. I think, you know, if you can get to a point of being 70, 80%, or as you said, even 50%, that at least you're doing it most of the time, um, then you're conscious of it, right? Yeah. And, you know, I think it's, there's, there's silver linings of this, of this last year. I think that's one for me personally is whatever we want to call this, the great pause. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but the value now um, in, in family and friends and others, when you know it's been taken away and you can't see them um, to just put shit away and hone in on what's what really is the most important. Um, people I, I've seen gotten a lot better at that. And actually, they don't tolerate they, they don't tolerate. Yeah. as much as how it was before. So I think it's going to be this thing, like once things open back up, are we going to learn from this year? Truly what is, what is important and those interpersonal connections with your, with your family, friends, but then your team, mm. those are bigger moments. You will grow your company faster if you actually own those rather than whatever the hell is on your, your, I'm a, you know, gosh, we got Slack, WhatsApp, uh, you know, text. <laughs> uh what else am i missing i'm not on snapchat guys but um you know uh like yeah like does anyone remember that text that you responded to no it's 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 being present you know with, with your team but i gotta you know i gotta hit like i said i hit myself daily the, the greatest thing about having kids is they like they're relentless that they you can't get anything away with them right and and they call me out all the time um so that's great. So um, obviously, AppD is the, considered the fourth, the fourth big iteration of the playbook, right? So you've got PTC, then you've got Blade Logic. Uh, BMC was a further evolution. I think AppD was the great success story, and the you know a further iteration where you've probably got the biggest concentration of a lot of those inspirational leaders all there together. You've got J Jeremy yourself. Um, you've got. You know, Donna, you've got lots and lots of big characters there. Why was Apti such a success story and what really evolved and what crystallized from the previous iterations of that playbook? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it, it comes down to a few things that we've, we've talked about, but even being more purposeful 
And, you know, when it's the fourth generation or the third generation, I think we, we, we learn from the things that were great and do more of it. Right. And, and, and double down on those. And then stuff that uh, maybe we struggled with, with the playbook, how do we continually refine it? And, and that was commitment at the very beginning you know, we built out a, a first class, um, you know, recruiting mechanism on, on the talent that, you know, we were going to go after, learned some mistakes early on um, and made those, made those tweaks, especially kind of looking at, it's not just about high growth. How are we going to scale this thing to truly be a great company? And so um, the folks that maybe you hire at, at a, you know, 30, 40 million aren't the right at, at 150 to, to 200 as well. So being mindful of that earlier than maybe at other previous companies. Um, the development piece, I mean, I think we just took it to even a, a different level, spending just a ton of money and infrastructure on our enablement, you know, organization. Um, first class people there and just a true like commitment between, they were front and center on the go to market. So sales leadership and our enablement team talking regularly, you know, building this out to, um, you know, increase productivity, lower the ramp time, increase ASP. Like it was, a, it was a very like applying leading indicators and KPIs to our ramp in the programs that we put in place, kind of that next level. I think that was, that was huge. Um, you know, we, we were in a very competitive marketplace, you know, still, you know, and, and there was a lot of different solutions there. We were not always one. Um, for most part, we were one B, sometimes, sometimes two, sometimes one A, depending on it. Um, but our our go to market value sale was different than our competition. The point, and and you know, I would say we had this really crazy connection to the customers and our champions that became personal, and our ability to land into these accounts and then they continue buying from us. Uh, the residual aspect of it was a, a, a direct result of our go to market. Um, so, you know, I, I would say, you know, those, those are a few things. And then we took then it to next level on, you know, we had this world-class enablement for our reps and spending a lot of time on, on lead our training, our leaders, you know, as well to be become world-class. Um, and it's a different, like we, we've said already, it's a different skill set. How do we train for it? Right. Cause the hardest thing, it's, it's one thing where everyone's kind of frontline or your highest is, is second line leader at an organization. What happens when you keep on building these layers? How do you make sure the same things, the important things are communicated and we're still inspiring, you know, uh, to the rep level? Because at that point, reps aren't really listening to Dolly, Jeremy, me as much. They're talking, they're looking at their first line leader. Like, do you, A, do you believe this? B, can you translate what they just said? Um, you know, and C, can you help me? All right. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was a lot of that. And, um, yeah, uh, what a what a fun run! You're great, just great people. Yeah, so you, you obviously you you continue to grow your career, you know, rapidly. You, you were there for what seven years, and uh, you, you 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 came in kind of leading that central U.S. and, and Canada region. Then you became VP of Sales North America East in February 2016, and then the following February, you became VP of Sales America. Um, and then obviously post acquisition, you were Dali's successor. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's an incredible, incredible trajectory that, that, that you, that you went through. I, I suppose my question for you, Tom, is, 
why were you chosen to 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 kind of take that that role you know why 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 how were you able to scale so quickly you know so i it's some of it is your uh you're sometimes the last man standing too right i i uh i, I can't believe I, that for um, a minute tom there was uh, so much talent. If, there was, if there was a humble answer to say that i was the last so one I, uh, it, it, I um you know it was it, it, truly I, I touched on this a little bit the the um it was almost because i sometimes because i didn't actually go for it or ask for it and i just focused on on the team and he focused on the playbook and, and just, you know, I always, I have a big saying, you know, are you going to be, are you going to manage up or are you going to lead down? Um, I've tried my career to, uh, to, to lead down and not worry so much about what's going on and play the political game. I actually suck at the political game. You can ask many people. I could probably get better at that. Um, so I think that was, that was a core like theme. I, I got lucky on some of the people I brought in, you know, too, who, who made me look really, really good. You know, I, um, you know, from when I first, you know, took on uh, the, the central region, just made some really strong hires that just became game changers, you know, and, and completely changed the trajectory of specific regions, right. Where, you know, and then, you know, our, our, our numbers and our, our, our growth and the productivity per head, like the, all the numbers look really, really good. And, and, what that probably boiled down to was the commitment to the recruit and the, the, the development of the team rather than just chasing deals, just yeah. chasing business. Right. Cause if you do that, we had so much talent uh, at the rep level and the front and second line leadership that um, this engine was just humming. Right. And, and, and then, you know, spent a lot of time on, on retention, which is a function of development. Right. Uh, having a team that was consistent versus high crazy amounts of turnover quarter after quarter after quarter. Um, there are many folks um, that were probably better deal people than I was. Um, maybe they could master the leading indicators better. Um, you know, I knew enough, know enough across, you know, all those different components, but I think it's just that, that focus again, great people, make sure that they're developed, keep, retention really really sound good things happen um and then yeah it, it part of it, it truly is though I, I said it off the cuff but um you stay focused and you stay in the game opportunities happen and sometimes that happen when people leave too and 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 they have uh you know the question then that the hiring executive makes is do you want to promote from within bring someone from the outside you know who do we look at and 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 um you know, I think I checked the boxes on, you know, on the culture side. Is this, is he going to, is, is he going to not just stabilize, but still help to help grow the business, bring in great people. Uh, but who knows? Yeah. That, feel, that's, that's my guess. Yeah. Did you feel at that stage that it was quite a big pressure? Cause obviously Dali had come in, you know, not single-handedly, but at the same time, you know, he had obviously created a very big reputation for himself at that stage. Did you feel a lot of pressure on you at that stage? I went, no, not necessarily, not necessarily pressure. I think I had to, um, you know, we were, we were a different company um, at that point than we were even a year or two before. So I think the bigger question wasn't, Hey, how do I, 
how do I do what, what Dolly and team were doing? It's the adjustment for where we need to be moving forward in that puzzle. Um, do we, do we need to tweak the hiring profile? Um, do we need to look at some different go to markets that we weren't doing before? Um, what going back to the, to the why, right? Cause the, the, the sales force was revolving cause we did have, um, folks that were going to build, go build again. The why of the team different than two, three years ago of kind of those, you know, pre IPO, you know, you know, builders and, and make some tweaks and adjustments there. That was, um, that was a big thing having in the, the, the experience to, to, to work with other amazing regions worldwide, um, who are kind of on their own Island. You know, I just, you know, how do, how do I stabilize that? Right. Coming in as the America's, the America's, uh, you know, guy. Right. And, and, um, boy, did I learn a lot, you know, on, on, on that side of the house. Um, and then, you know, the, the whole second half of the year was, was essentially remote. Right. And so that's a whole nother deal now. Um, you know, uh, teaching, inspiring, still producing in, in, in that environment. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know that was going to be the case when I signed up for it. Right. None of us did, but, uh, great, great experiences, you know, with, uh, with that, but it was, it, it wasn't something I necessarily, I, I had asked for. It wasn't like, mm-hmm. going back. You know, do I, do I want to be CRO? No, if this was, am I going to be able to learn some different, you know, what am I going to, what am I going to challenge myself? What am I going to learn? What don't I have in my bag of tricks? Can I get better? Um, and that was that was the biggest reason I took it. Mm. So interesting. Yeah. And so so obviously, oh, you've go made the, I was going to say you've now made the transition across to uh, Audit Board as as their CRO. Yeah. This is obviously a completely different you know path for you. There's a lot of you know firsts for you. Um, yeah. th- there's no direct link to the tree, right? In terms no. of so this is completely out of the comfort zone, yeah. right? Um, obviously, you know, Battery Ventures are behind it. You've got Michael Brown, who's obviously on your board, but I suppose that's that's about as close as it gets. So uh, are you going to try and nurture that type of kind of playbook within the business or are you going to try something a bit different? Yeah. What's the plan? Yeah, um, and that was it was interesting. I, I um, had a purposely and planned out, I, I knew I wanted to take, since the Blade Logic day is going hard for 14, 15 years, right? And so like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this right and take a, take a pause, you know, transition out of, of FD the right way and take a pause and, and just talk to a ton of different people, right? Without a massive timeline. Um, I needed it, I needed the break. Um, and you know, spent a little time with the family and then, you know, I I it was such a cool experience. Um, you know, talk to 30 plus different companies, CEOs, founders, uh, venture capitalists, the, my own network. And um, I, I took the approach of kind of like, j- let's just have lunch, right? The, the, let's have a discussion, no strings attached. Um, I was told that is like, don't, don't overqualify, you know, really, I'm just having conversations. Um, I, I w- what was important to me, I wasn't looking so much at space, but it was, um, are these are these going to be a group of people that I'm going to want to go into battle with, right? Or, or you know, and 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 work with on a, on a regular basis? Is um, is this a place that I feel like I can have impact in based on where they you know where they are as an organization? And then uh, the third piece, you know, call me call me crazy. The the, the puzzle aspect 
of it and doing something different was actually very attractive to me rather than just rinse and repeat. Um, you know, I looked at some, some bigger organizations um, and uh, the stage that uh, the audit board in uh, is in had so much success um, as a, as, as an organization doing things a certain way and to be able to come in and hopefully be able to, to not change the game. This isn't a 180. I have no interest in doing a 180. It's, it's um, really understanding what's working and then how do we make some pivots to truly make this into a special legendary company, which I think we really have the opportunity to do. Um, what, what's, what's really um, an interesting now that I'm on the play, we talk about like on the recruiting side. So, we went in and audit board um, found a wedge in the GRC space that no one was selling to. And there's just really archaic solutions and um, selling to the auditor, um, which is actually pretty big across, you know, every organization has, has auditors. Right. And um, went in with uh, we are going to build the greatest UI and we are going to um, have the most, the best user experience to just get this mind share. And, and that's exactly what they did. And um, uh, to really get this, this, this feeling, you know, where we're saying, wow, I want, I want that. Right. Cause it's going to solve problems that I've been living with. Cause it was, you know, former auditors that, that start you know, Dan, Jay and Daniel. What they also did was, um, you know, hire former um, really, really smart people from whether it's, you know, the big four or others that were former auditors to help take this go to market. And um, our company is comprised a lot of, you know, former auditors. What I got to tell you is um, the intelligence, character, coachability of these folks, like nail it um, <laughs> 10 out of 10. And, and um, I shouldn't let this secret out. I'm going to tell my, 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 you know, my peers, like this profile carries over very, very well. So they didn't have the outside sales experience, but intelligence as hell, gritty. We're used to working long hours and really inquisitive and coachable um, and want to continue learning, right? And want to continue learning. So first is um, how do we now take, we've done a really, really good job on, um, you know, going to a segment within GRC, but we keep on purposely building onto it with this, you know, it's an outcome-based engineering approach, which is all about, you know, business value and, and, you know, really having a platform that makes sense to the, to the end user risk compliance is now becoming massive on top of audit, a real opportunity to now continue doing what we're doing really well, selling to um, who we know and now going to other profiles that I have, you know, some comfort levels in as well across IT security, across, you know, across risk and starting to position even more of a platform because we have the solution for it, but it's a multiple persona sale. So um, the playbook, I feel like it's, it's, it's not just this rigid thing where you just lay down everything, you know, soup to nuts. It's, um, you know, recruit, continue to recruit great people and working with the great people that we have here that, um, are going to be able to help us do what we do really well and then pivot to this platform sale. Um, secondly, establish even a, a higher value sale, right? Where, um, uh, you know, different personas are going to take a look at and, and uh, which is just, it's, it's kind of a different mindset, right? And that's what we, you know, that's, that's part of the, that's part of the playbook, right? And, and true value-based uh, yeah, selling. And then, um, 
you know, continuing to grow smart and, and, and really build this out, build this out the right way. But it's, it's so funny, um, whether it's GRC space or AI or whatever, APM, pattern recognition is still there. It's, it's not as different as, as, as you think, right? It's, it's not as complex as you think. So like a lot of the things that, you know, I've done, they're, they're already doing a lot of it. It's just making them aware of, of why, just kind of like what I had when I went to Blade Logic for the first time. I was, I was having success. I didn't really know why. Here's why we're winning, you know, and, and given that compass. But um, yeah, there's, it's, it's a crazy opportunity. Brilliant people here. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a space that's getting bigger and bigger and, and just based on what's going on in the world. And we have a chance to do something really special. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's fun to be back into the build, into the grind again. Hmm. Amazing. Well, I mean, it's it's definitely not the end of the journey, but obviously, it's 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 amazing to see that transition and how you've been able to continue to to kind of grow and and really scale your career. Um, I, I suppose um, just a, a kind of a, a few questions before we uh, be, before we go to conclusion. What, in terms of our listeners uh, today, uh, Tom. What's the best piece of advice you could give them right now? Those that are thinking about, you know, how they can continue to grow their career and make their way from IC to first line to second line and, and beyond. What's the best advice you could give them? Follow your passion would be no, number one versus following uh, whatever book you're reading or what someone's telling you to do. Um, and it's okay if leadership actually isn't the path for you. Like, so if you're going to be great in this gig, you better be cut out for it. You better be passionate um, mm-hmm. for it. And there's a lot to unpack. You know, what does passion really mean? But um, I knew once I got into it, and despite, like I said, some of the, the challenges I had, you know, early on, um, this you know, leadership was where I wanted, where I wanted to go. I've seen many people kind of forced into it because they were top producers or they were still kind of chasing the W2 and in, in, in the money. So I think the big thing is follow your passion. And then the timing of when you get into it is very critical, you know, as well. Are you ready? Are you truly ready to make that leap and, 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 and be more selfless? So um, if you do that, um, you're in a really good starting point. And then it's, and then it's a lot of the playbook that we've discussed, right? You hone in, you simplify, mm-hmm. recruit, great talent, right? Be religious on that, develop the hell out of them. And, uh, and then, you know, put the, put the playbook in place and, and the revenue is going to, the revenue is going to follow. Yeah. Great. So the final question we always ask on the show is, does the hunter make the unicorn? So, what, what's your thoughts on that, Tom? The hunter in the go-to-market and the sales strategy can. And I've been there where we have. I don't think that's enough anymore. And I'm a big believer, and this is something I really vetted out before I chose Autoboard, um, this outcome-based approach, the playbook, that we have across sales, the engineering and the product is evolving now to have more similar similarities than you would even 
imagine. And it's something that really got me excited about where I'm at. And I think there's other companies there too, where um, their recruiting methodology across engineering, how they're going to market in terms of architecting their solution and how they're growing it, um, how, we're, how we're winning, having that tied at the hip is, is, is critical. Um, there isn't time for bad product anymore um, or not lost, you know, just second or third place. So the beauty is, and this is where I, I kind of got into the last, uh, you know, couple of years, that relationship between sales and, and engineering and, and product is, is critical and actually bringing them into even some of our sales, sales enablement, they're eating it up. All right. So it's both. Can you become a unicorn maybe without it or with it? Yes. But when you, my, my goal, Simon, is bringing both of these together. And then, then it's, that's where the magic happens. Yeah, that's a great answer, yeah. actually. Uh, you know, interviewing the likes of Sahir and some of the other guys who are now in product management who are changing the product side of, of, of companies like MongoDB and seeing how the playbook is transitioning into this into this playbook is absolutely remarkable and profound. So that's a, a really, really great answer, which I think resonates so, uh, so true. Good. So this is the point when we uh, reflect on what we've heard today, Tom, and I think uh, Ollie and I and all our listeners and all our viewers will agree that it has been a truly, truly, uh, you know, a great uh, session with you today. I suppose my, my key takeaways and the themes that I've most taken from today is the fact that you're someone that's, by your own admission, you said, I've never really asked for a promotion. I've never really chased it. But I think what you have done, Tom, and what has enabled you to grow in the way that you have is that you've always focused on the thing which is the most important, and that is the selflessness built on those interpersonal connections. And by really activating greatness within people by really understanding their why, really understanding their drivers, their motivations, to a certain extent, almost breaking past some of the personal, prof not the personal professional barriers, but but really pushing that barrier to to the point where you are really able to understand what's going on in that person and get the very best out of them, tapping into their why, getting their buy-in, creating those selfless um, individuals by really creating that connection. I think it's it created that opportunity, that vacuum for you to be sucked up right to the very top. Uh, and, and I think it's no surprise that you've obviously reached so much personally by actually focusing on others. So on that note, I just want to say a really, really big thank you for taking the time to speak with us. It's an absolute honor, a real privilege, you know, so, so great to speak with you today. Thank you so much for, uh, for, for, for taking part on the show. Simon, this was great. Ali, fantastic. Um, really nice experience being on with you. Uh, two famous people now. <laughs> <laughs> Far from that. Far from that. But no, Tom, it's been truly inspirational. And, and you know, as, as business owners ourselves, we, we take so much away from this. And I've got a list of things here and notes that I just, <laughs> I found so profound myself. So I hope that the listeners, you know, really took so much away from this as, as or at least as much as we did. So um, thank you so much for sparing the time yeah. to talk to us today, Tom. Well, 
keep doing what you're doing. Seriously, it's been inspirational just to understand your story and how you, how you built this thing out these last, you know, six, nine, 12 months. Um, it's changing a lot of people's, uh, I don't know if I'd say their lives, but they're certainly, uh, they're certainly enjoying your podcast. So, uh, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you, so Thank you so much. So to our viewers and to our listeners, we hope you've enjoyed today's session. There's lots and lots of content available on our website. So please do check out so soapcom forward slash blog. Please remember to subscribe, like, share, comment, and the rest of it. And we look forward to welcoming you to another show very soon. Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone.